it's easier then actually to empower people because they know what they're doing and why they're doing it and they don't go off doing something you didn't expect them to do. So we're probably a more empowering environment than many companies because of that. Hi, I'm Beldit Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'll be joined by Heidi Mottram, CEO of Northumbrian Water. Heidi describes what happened when they started over with a clean sheet of paper and co-created their purpose with their stakeholders. She also shares how their desire to be the industry leader resulted in the development of an industry-wide set of performance measures, so everyone can see how well they're doing, which in turn has reinforced Northumbrian Water's ability to work across the business as a team. Do listen to the end, as Heidi has an interesting offer for other CEOs who are looking at similar issues. Heidi, welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. You're the chief executive of Northumbrian Water Group. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about both yourself and about what Northumbrian does. Okay, so Northumbrian Water is one of the water and wastewater companies in the UK, and we operate in the northeast of England, in the areas around Newcastle, Middlesbrough, etc. Um, but a little bit unusually, because most of the companies operate in only one territory, we also operate as a water company in the southeast of England, trading as Essex and Suffolk Water. And then we do a few little bits of water and wastewater in Ireland, uh, Scotland, which obviously is in the UK. And, and somewhat unusually, we actually provide the water supply on Gibraltar, which sometimes people find a little bit unique. So I've been chief executive of the Northumbrian Water Group now for just over 10 years. And before that, I spent 24 years of my working life in the railway industry, starting originally when the railway was still nationalised. And when I left the railways, I was managing director of a company called Northern Rail, which operates rail services in the north of England. And just out of curiosity, how did all those other bits kind of end up being part of all of this? Um, the water industry in the UK, before the trend towards privatisation that happened in the mid-90s, quite a number of operations that provided water services were already private. But wastewater services were typically still in public ownership and typically with local authorities. So when that privatisation process happened, obviously those parts that were private couldn't be made private because they already were. And unusually, what happened in our case was that the private bit, which was the Essex and Suffolk water bit, which is actually the smallest bit, decided to bid for the bigger bit. So the private bit bought the non-private bit, which was bigger than it. And the company was at the time owned by a French utility company, and it carried on being owned by that French utility company. But in 2003, it became a listed company, stayed a listed company for almost 10 years, and then was taken private again by a, a Hong Kong listed company called Chong Kong Hutchinson. Mm, mm, very interesting corporate history. So we're going to talk a bit about Northumbrian Water's 
purpose and its strategy. But before we get into that, if you could share with us kind of how you define organizational purpose and how you see it as being related to things like mission and vision. Okay, well, I think that what it tries to do um, is suppose articulate why you exist. And you often see that purpose statements will be a little bit longer, perhaps, than visions or or missions, because they do describe what organisations do and attempt to go into a little bit more detail, not necessarily chapter and verse, but a little bit more detail about what that organisation is about. It's a way, I think, for people who might want to either perhaps come and work for that company or do business with that company or uh, have something to do with it to really understand what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And as you think about it, is it something that's fixed, you know, kind of immutable, or is it something that changes as the circumstances change? Well, I think that would probably vary by company, wouldn't it? You know, water and wastewater services are really what I would call businesses, you know, in perpetuity. There's an understanding, I think, that society and populations and businesses will always need water services and wastewater services. Now, at a point in time, how those happen to be provided could potentially change. And at the moment, you know, we are regulated monopolies. So if the structure of the industry change, then perhaps the purpose might change. But if the structure stays the same, then really the provision of those services is very much in perpetuity. And that would not be the case necessarily for other businesses who perhaps, you know, set out to do something, but their circumstances may change, um, either because the, the market alters or they find a new technology that they want to exploit or in order to survive or thrive, go into and diversify into new areas. So I can see how many businesses that purpose may well evolve and change um, and possibly even stop and start with something totally new if that was appropriate. But for us, I think it's something very much that has longevity about it. And actually, the way that we came up with the words, you know, actually embed the fact that this is a long term business. And that's what people involved with us expect of us. Maybe just sort of share what Northumbrian Waters' purpose is. Yeah, so the initial sentence was caring for the essential needs of our communities and environment now and for generations to come. That's the thing that we think holds the biggest essence. And then we go on to say we do that by providing reliable and affordable water and wastewater services for our customers. And we make a positive difference by operating efficiently and investing prudently to maintain a sustainable and resilient business. Mm. So that first sentence feels like it could open up a whole lot of sort of spaces you could operate in, and then the the next one gets very specific about it. Was that sort of by design or? Yes, because I think that, you know, if you come back to, to purposes, trying to articulate the sort of almost why you're doing what you're doing, sometimes people talk about water services alongside other health related services. You know, we do contribute to public health in the way that we care for the environment and also the way that we provide clean drinking water. So that idea of caring for communities in that sense, if you like, in the provision of a public health service felt very important in terms of a driving purpose. But then clearly we had to clarify that because we don't care for everything and and do everything. And that would be a, a very, very wide remit so that's why, you know, we very quickly come in to say that the way that we do that is by providing water and wastewater services. So how did you go about developing it or identifying it? You know, what was the process of coming up with those words? 
So it was a journey in a way that probably went on to where we are today over about four and a bit years. Purposes and the description of purposes is is still a relatively new corporate concept, I would say. And so we'd done, I would say, some internal work initially, but then, and this is interesting in itself, it's not massively different to, to where we ultimately ended up. We've got more succinct since. But then we said, actually, we think this really would be even more powerful if it were developed in co-creation with our stakeholders, with our employees, with our board. You know, we're a business that has a lot to do with with what you might call the establishment, you know, um, local authorities, MPs, stakeholders like that, um, as well as our customers as well. So uh, we wanted really to refine and, and legitimize that purpose by seeing if it resonated um, with other people. So we didn't go out with the purpose statement and say, what do you think of this? We did it from a blank sheet of paper and asked, started to ask people, how would you talk about Northumbrian Water and what would you think it was doing? And we were supported in that by an organisation you might be familiar with called Business in the Community, who are a charitable organisation. The patron is His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales. And this is, a, if you like, a collaboration of companies who would seek to give something back and, and be you know, perhaps more outward-facing and socially responsible in the way that they do business. And, and business in the community had been working and helping businesses do this process. And so they worked alongside us and, and gave us a lot of their experience of having done it with other companies. What was really interesting in that building was the huge amount of consistency. Business in the community more or less said they'd never seen as much consensus between customers, between employees, between stakeholders, they'd rarely seen as much consensus um, as came through. So in a way, our job was was quite easy. In the end, we had to string a load of words and sentiments together that we'd heard very frequently. Um, But because they were so overlapping, it was actually a relatively easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I wonder whether some of that maybe goes back to the point you made earlier that sort of what you do is perpetual, it's eternal, it's always going to be there. And therefore, what people expect from it is much more likely to be consistent. I think the other thing is as well, is that we are a company that continually talks to all of those groups as well. We're not a distant organization. We're a very customer, community, um, locality-centric business. So, you know, we've a lot of dialogue going on. Obviously, with our employees, I think most organizations will have frequent dialogue with their employees. But what I've certainly noticed over time, having been here, is that that conversation evolves, but it doesn't jump about in unpredictable ways. There is more or less focus on different things potentially over time, but there's a lot of consistency and durability. And what led you to decide to focus on the question of Northumbrian's purpose? A number of different things, I guess. You know, we we don't live in a in a bubble, so I think we were aware of this conversation going on in the wider business community. Almost this sense of there must be more to this than products or shareholder returns, or you know and a feeling in in society that a sense of purpose was to be valued 
But as an organisation, I would have said this was strongly, strongly embedded in the company. You know, that sense of being something more than just a water company has been in Northumbrian Waters DNA for decades. I mean, it precedes me and it would be something that attracted me to the company. And not surprisingly, many of those values and behaviours are embedded in the purpose statement. And what would you say your strategy is? We would articulate that under our vision to be the national leader in sustainable water and wastewater services. We're attempting to do that in the best way and the most efficient way um, for our customers and also to provide a sustainable return to investors and a sustainable future for the company. That's how I would describe the strategy. We don't typically go off attempting to think about doing things other than that because I'm required by license to be in the product stream that I'm in. And so the company has signed up to be a water and wastewater provider. It can't unilaterally not be that. So I can't just decide to go into a different product stream. (laughs) And that's, again, can be quite unusual compared to some of the businesses who could decide that today they're making, I don't know, for sake of argument, telephones or, you know, and tomorrow they could decide to just be in washing machines, couldn't they, if they wanted to be. Uh, We can't do that. So our strategy is all about the services that we provide, which are actually just well-defined. I'm always sceptical of people who say their goal is to be the best. How do you define that? Okay. So the way that we define that is actually, I suppose, reasonably easy, although interestingly it wasn't when I first came to the company, but it's become easier and I will explain why. So when I came to Northumbrian Water, it had some conversations about what it felt its strategy and purpose should be, but I don't think it was as clearly articulated as it is now, and there wasn't much in the way of structure or process behind how some of those things might be achieved. So I initiated a conversation between all the leaders and all the employees in the business about what do we think we're doing, um, and that allowed us to describe what we thought the primary activities that we were undertaking were, and how did we think we should go about that. That was where this idea and this concept of being national leader. So what does national leader mean? Now, at that point, we could gather some benchmark information. For example, you know, how clean is our water? How good is our wastewater treatment process? How good is our customer service So we went about gathering as much of that as we could. And where it wasn't available, we talked to some water companies and said, would you mind being in a benchmark group so that we could have some idea about whether or not we were any good at this? And that stimulated a good response. We created a balanced scorecard out of that. And we started to set targets that would have us be uh, industry leading in the round. Now, there was about at that time... 15 or 20 things on that balanced scorecard. They weren't all benchmarked with only with the water sector. So things like customer service were benchmarked wider, employee engagement, community engagement and participation were a benchmarked wider. A good example would be you don't see a great deal of flooding in East Anglia as a rule because it doesn't rain there, but you might have drought problems there. So we benchmarked in a sensible way. And I always used to sort of say to my team in a kind of plain English sort of way. If I was to show up in a room full of water company CEOs and go, do you know what, you lot, uh, we are the national leader in sustainable water and wastewater services, they wouldn't be able to go, you're having a laugh, Heidi. 
they would be able to say, yeah, you know, you're probably right. And we ultimately said if we were top at customer service, if we had in that kind of benchmark information, if we had more first places than anybody else and we were above average at everything, then that would probably do it because most water companies would struggle to hit that criteria in the round. And in fact, we struggled. And what's actually happened over the years is that two or three companies have been vying for getting all of those three and nobody's ever managed to get all of those three. But three companies typically stand out more than some of the others. And the economic regulator decided to copy that process and created some standard KPIs for the industry and started to publish that information. So you can see that stuff in the public domain. If you wanted to go and look at a website called Discover Water, you would see that stuff. It sounds like to some extent that definition, the the granularity and specificity with which you've set it out, almost helps you identify what are the priorities. What, you know, if that's what we're chasing, where are we doing well? Where are we not above average? Okay, got to work on some of those. How can we get some of those first? Is that the way it's played out in practice or has there been some other process? No, absolutely. I mean, playing together as one team is a core value for us. If we're a team, and a good analogy would be any sporting team, you know, if we happen to just have a strong attack, because we happen to have a strong attack, but our defense is poor, we would all go, what are we going to do to help defense get stronger? Yeah. And that's how it's gone on. So everybody's always had an incredibly clear line of sight in their bit of the business about what that meant. And always a strong sense that the company would move its resources around and its expertise around in order to get the whole team as strong as it possibly could. Yeah. What's surprised you most as you've been on that journey around sort of purpose and strategy? I think, I'm not sure if I would use the word surprising, but I do think that people really do like the idea of doing whatever it is they do really well. Most people don't come to work and go, do you know what, I'm going to see what I can do to screw up today. They like to do it well. So it's a, it's a very convening thing. And if you can help give them the support and the resources and that they know that we're all in it together, because sometimes it can be really hard. And knowing that, that they're not on their own then or being pointed at and said, you're letting the rest of us down Obviously, we expect people to try their hardest. If people were not trying and for the team, it would possibly feel a bit different. But if people are trying really hard, everybody gets in behind to say, what can we do differently? And there's been numerous occasions where we switched resources around in an unconventional way in order to help. You make it sound in some ways, I won't say easy, but all very natural. Was there any of it that was difficult? Almost the actual job itself is difficult. So, for example, one of the things that we are held responsible for is flooding from sewer assets. There's flooding from other sources, you know, groundwater flooding or river flooding or water comes at people in a myriad of different ways. But if it comes at you out of the sewer system, you know, we're responsible. And one of the things that is absolutely noticeable, and you know this and everybody knows this, is the impact of climate change. Increasingly over the last 10 years, and specifically I would have said in the last five or six years, The intensity of rainfall, it flushes through the system really quickly and that's when the system can't cope. Perhaps rain in the past was a bit more steady and drizzly and the system can cope with steady drizzle but it can't cope with deluge. And so now we're having to work with other partners. There's only two solutions that I guess really make the sewers bigger and that's a big civil engineering feat. 
or because our system is combined it takes surface water and the water from your toilets and your showers and washing machines and things is to see how can that rain be kept away from the sewer system and perhaps put into other places either areas where we can make a big soggy bowl for a while those kinds of features get referred to as sustainable urban drainage or swales or soaks something like that or we could channel it into a river that's got capacity um, or something else and just to attenuate that water but we don't normally own that land so we would work with other people to create schemes like that and we've done some fantastic work in that area that's resulted in hundreds and hundreds of properties being protected from flooding things like that are difficult climate change is difficult What's the impact of all of this been on both your leadership team and on the organization? Hmm. So I'm a passionate believer in collaborative leadership and one team and ethical are two of our sort of principal values. So working together to create that vision, that strategy, that purpose together means that everybody understands what it is. They understand why it is what it is. And it's easier for people then to find their line of sight to make sense of what they're doing and how they contribute to it. It's easier then actually to empower people because they know what they're doing and why they're doing it and they don't go off doing something you didn't expect them to do. So we're probably a more empowering environment than many companies because of that. Um, And empowerment is a very motivating emotion, I think, for people because they want to be trusted and they want to be allowed to get on and do a good job. And also, when people feel that they are being allowed to do a good job and they're being recognised for it, then they give more discretionary effort. I sometimes give this little visual analogy when I'm talking to people about the company or what we do, but you might remember a film called Finding Nemo. And when Nemo has, uh, has gone across on his little adventure across the ocean and uh, has ended up in that dentist surgery in that fish tank, gets rescued by his dad and they're coming home and him and his dad get caught up in a trawler with a load of fish and Nemo says I know what to do dad I know what to do and he says to the fish we need to swim down we need to swim down together and all the fish are flipping about at this point and then they all go what what and they start swimming down and of course they make the net go to the bottom of the sea and it breaks and they all get free so that visual analogy about companies that if you're all inside the net so you know where you are but you're all swimming and doing your own thing, then you waste a lot of energy. But if you all swim down and you know why you're swimming down, then you get out. So I've often used that little bit of video clip when I talk about how to work in a winning team. Mm -hmm. Um, And and what's the impact been on you personally? You know, how have you changed? What have you learned along the way? As I worked my way through the railway industry, which is very much a matrix Um, It's hard to do anything in the railway industry without impacting on other parts of it or being influenced by other parts of it. So your trains run over tracks that other people's trains go over and so on and so forth. So you do have to learn how to work with other people and influence other people who may not share your ultimate goals and objectives. And I think I brought that spirit of partnership and collaboration into the water industry where we've got control over much more of our own destiny because we work in our own geographies. We can be a little island if we want to be. But that partnership and collaboration ethos has served us really well and we worked with lots of different organisations for lots of different reasons. Coupling that really clear idea about what you're trying to do as a company and having a whole load of people really have that clarity 
but wanting to do that in partnership with others in order to get a better outcome. I found it incredibly motivating to be a part of. But I hope that also it's helped people who perhaps might have previously been more happy to work within their own boundaries, learn the benefits of widening those boundaries and working with others. Mm -hmm. And when you reflect on sort of who you are as a person, is there more you'd like to have or see in your strategy or your purpose? I am actually very content because I feel like I work in an industry that I passionately believe in and I'm proud to work in. It's very compelling knowing that you are providing a service that makes people healthy. You can contribute to improving the environment, something that we've all become just more and more and more conscious of um, over time. And we do a lot of work around biodiversity, net zero, um, and our, on our right, right in the leadership of that. So that all these things make me feel very content. I've, I've, you know, if you surround yourself with amazing people, then that just makes your job easy. So over time, my job has got easier and easier as as, as the company, you know, has grown and developed its its skills. And so, yes, I'm 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 happy. And, and what advice would you give to? business leaders who are themselves wrestling with their organization's purpose and their organization's strategy? Don't do it on your own. Don't feel that as the leader, you have to be the person to come up with it. In fact, I think from a purpose perspective, that's the complete opposite is true. What matters here is that the people in the endeavor all believe the way that that's described. I think a purpose is a very collaborative team endeavor isn't it whereas visions could potentially be a little bit more unique or or solitary but purposes can't be I don't think so talk to your organization talk to people who are related to it build it together and then you'll get a better outcome so I would say the nature of our business lends itself more to collaboration than competition other businesses might feel the need to be more insular in what they do, because not doing that could potentially undermine competitive edge, I suppose. And so you've got to cut your cloth according to what you are doing, haven't you? But even if you were in a market that was super competitive, then you would still want the people who were in your team competing against the others, all back to my fish analogy, you want them all swimming in the same way and and knowing why they're doing that. I would want to offer for anybody who's listening to this and feels they have a business that might have some synergy with how we've gone about doing things. I'd love to have that conversation, you know, to to share our experience and hear yours to see how we could be better together. Well, that's, that's a fantastic offer. Well, well, I, I, I would hope that I would probably learn something from that as well as giving something. So That's really very generous. It's a trade, isn't it? What a fantastic note to end on. Heidi, again, thank you for joining us. It's been really a great conversation. Oh, we've enjoyed talking to you, and uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.